together for the man of God for the hour tonight all the way from Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> for just a second, you've already prayed, but you know, this is like home to me and I just love being here. And I just, you like me too? Come on, I like you a lot. I want to um, always invite uh, Savannah because I like to tune in. Can we give Savannah, Georgia a big hand? They're tuning in tonight. Today, rather. Can we give them a big hand? Have you ever been hurt in your life? Have you ever felt like you needed to be healed? There's a series right now going on on healing. And I believe that God is a healer. But for some of you, it's not just physical pain. When you look in the mirror, you're not as well as you thought you'd be. Some of the things that's happened in your life, you thought you would have gotten over by now, but it's still holding on to you. I don't know what you dragged in here with you, but I want to help you leave it. Come on, amen. I want to help you leave it today. Father, I thank you and praise you for this time. I thank you for the pastor and wife of this great church. I thank you for the great grace and leadership they bring. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray blessing upon today's message. I pray it lifts hearts and changes minds and redirects families. I believe by faith that you've called us to gather today. And I believe you've called us to be better today. And we lift our hands, every hand lifted high, and declare with me, we say, in the name of Jesus. Whether you're here, Savannah, wherever you're watching, come on, lift your hands again. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus, I will be healed. I will get better. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big hand clap, would you? Come on. Come on, a big old shout. <laughs> Praise God. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to talk today from a theme that I just, uh, it just gripped me. And I, I, when I was decided to talk about healing, I, I thought it would be really great to be honest and ask one question. You know, I like one question, right? That would be an honest question. There are moments in your life when you ask the question, will I ever get better? Can you sit up with me, please say, will I ever, will I ever get, better? get better? Now, that question is asked because some things that happen in your life hurt so badly. Some physical challenges you face can be so severe that you wonder if you can get better. And so this sermon is about healing the impossible pains of life. This sermon is for those who face something that they are not sure they'll get over. It's for people who feel like this one might be the one. There are moments when it's just hard to even explain how you got here. 
I want to show you two people who had two different challenges, but they had nothing to do with those challenges. They, they didn't cause them. In the end, I'll talk about the things we cause a little bit. But these two stories are amazing because they basically will talk about things that just happen. There is a verse when you talk about healing that people like to quote. It's in James chapter 5, verse 14. And I want to read it for you first because this is the first verse before I talk about these two people. Here's what it says. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And here's the promise. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now there are two sides to that, those two verses. The one side deals with physical issues in the minds of most people. And so if you're physically sick, the plan is get the elders together, pour some oil on you, and you should get better. That's one side of the verse. But what's interesting is the back end of the verse when it talks about sins. It talks about things that you might have done. And I want you to notice that he says you need the same thing to happen. You need to call some elders together and let them pray for you, pour some oil on you, and you'll get better. But notice both needs, whether it's a sin or a sickness, you need prayer. And in both situations, God is the answer for you, but that, that's not always easy to see. For some people, um, they read that and they try to make it work and try to figure out how it works, and, and there's been a whole lot of historical approaches to it. You know, uh, the faith movement had a whole approach to it, and Baptists have an approach to it, and Pentecostals have an approach to it, and some people just don't know what to do. So let me show you what Jesus did. Let me show you two examples of two hurting people. And both people face tremendous challenges. And I want you to learn from these people how to get better. I want you to watch their attitudes. I want you to step back and I want you to see two very, very, very troubled individuals. In verse 41 of Luke chapter 8, it said there was a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He's a preacher guy. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged. Now I want you to picture this. This is a ruler. He finds Jesus, and he falls down, and he begs. He begs him to come to his house. He's around a lot of people. This is a big event. Jesus is out standing out around the crowd, and all of a sudden this guy comes and he falls down and says, I want you to come to my house. That's a big request. And here's what he said. For he had only, he had an only daughter. He had a daughter, one daughter. And she was 12 years of age. How old was she? 12 years of age. I want you to see this. About a middle school. She's a big girl that can talk. Got personality. This is his one girl. Now I have a girl. She's 27 though. <laughs> but she's been 12. I, I remember when my girl was little. 
She used to hate to get up, go to school. And uh, so she would just give her mother a fit. But I used to go in the rooms. I said, you know, girls are always slow. Boys can always beat girls. Then she'd wake up and look at me. That's not true. I said, yes, it is. I bet you I can beat you getting dressed. And so we would race. Now, I would cheat a little bit. I would throw her shoes, but we'd race. And then after a while, we would go outside and race. Every morning before school, she said, all right, I'm going to beat you this morning. And every morning, when, how often did I say this happened? Every morning for a long time. Her favorite thing was getting up in the morning and racing her daddy. Race him to get dressed and race him down the street so people would see the pastor. <laughs> Early in the morning, 6 o'clock, 6.30, running, and she, she got to the point where she wanted to ride her bike, and I run <laughs> to see if she could still beat me. I look like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I remember my girl. I remember the times and all the fun, and all the water fights. I was a big water fight dad. I believed in shooting them. <laughs> we used to go to Walmart, and I used to buy when she was little. I have a boy too, he's older, but I used to buy water guns, and I used to say, I used to put the, you know those super soakers? I used to put one in the buggy, and I said, on September 5th, at 7 o'clock, I'm going to baptize all of you. <laughs> and then they would go to their mother and say, you, you, you see what daddy did? Daddy put a super soaker. He said, on September, he's going to baptize us. <laughs> and Diane would say, would you please stop? I'm going to baptize you too. <laughs> Daddies. Joy. Couldn't imagine at 12 years old facing a moment when everything could end. I couldn't imagine, and she's 27. I can't imagine what it's like. Some of you have been there. That, for some of you, is a real story. You have a 12-year-old. You have a child who's physically challenged. You have a pain that's hard to explain, and and this daddy falls down. And let me tell you, I can understand as a dad why you'd fall down and why you would, would, would beg. Because this is your girl. And so, all of a sudden, while he's begging, while he's standing around and all of this is happening, he's desperate, and all of a sudden, he's interrupted. Another problem shows up. While he's telling this story, a woman with an issue of blood, in verse 43, interrupts his story. Have you ever been telling a serious story and somebody jumps in front of you? You, you, you ever had a moment when you were telling how you felt and all of a sudden somebody else comes up with their problem and, and verse 43 just interrupts his story and it says, a second person, a woman this time, 
having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by anyone. She pressed forward, came up behind him in verse 44, and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the flow of blood stopped. But I want to go back to the first guy for a second, because now you have to understand, he was first. Have you ever felt like you were in line first? And then all of a sudden, Jesus turns from you, and now he's saying, who touched me? It's, um, you know, it, it, it can get on your nerves. Because when you're hurting, if you're not careful, you don't think about anybody else's pain. You can think you are the only one with an issue. You're the only one that has a bad marriage. You're the only one that has a bad story. You're the only one that has an issue. But in this moment, I want you to watch. You got two people hurting on two sides of, of life. One has a physical challenge that's been with her for years. One has a daughter who's about to die any minute. And everybody wants help. Have you become selfish? Have you become so consumed with your situation that you can't see anybody else's? Do you feel that God should stop all of heaven and just help you? Do you feel offended because people get distracted when you're telling your story? What's powerful is, this is a, an amazing moment because I want you to notice he goes silent. He's telling his story. It's heart-wrenching. It's this 12-year-old girl. He's, could you come now? And, 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 he, and he, all of a sudden, the Bible is silent. Now, some people would have gotten ghetto right about then. <laughs> Excuse me, Jesus, I'm talking to you. <laughs> right? Because you would be offended because you were first. Are you right now offended because you were first? You should have been, have this fixed. Nobody else should have the promotion. You were here first. You were in line first. And so what's interesting is the whole story turns from the guy. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Don't forget the guy with the girl. For just a moment, imagine what it's like to be the guy standing there with this problem and everybody now has turned to a woman and they're talking about her issue. And I want you to notice how patient he is. I want you to notice how quiet he is. I want you to notice he can teach all of us something. Sometimes you just have to wait. Sometimes... Your healing, your deliverance is not going to happen today. Today is a wait day. This is a wait moment. No attitude, no frustration, no comments. It's all about somebody else. And I want you to listen to this woman's story because I think it's amazing. The woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, women, you understand that. You understand the embarrassment, you understand the awkwardness, you understand the shame, you understand the fear of going anywhere, you understand what it's like. Not one year, not two years, not three years, 12. Have you ever had a long-term pain? 
Have you ever had an issue that was not short-term? You know, a lot of us like short-term problems, but when it's a long-term problem. But here's a woman who for 12 years has spent all she had. I want you to notice that now in verse 43. She spent all of her money. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. She spent all of her money. It's all gone. So where did she get money? Maybe she was married and maybe she inherited the money. But women in this culture didn't normally have money. But she had money and now it's all gone. She went to all the physicians she could and nobody could help her. Nobody could heal her. How do you deal with those moments when it's gone? All hope. There's nobody, there's nothing there. She hears this amazing thing. She hears, there's somebody coming in town that can help me. There's somebody that can fix my life. There's somebody that can change my circumstance. His name is Jesus. And so Jesus comes in town, and all of a sudden now, I want you to notice four smart things that led to this woman's healing. Remember, the guy, we'll talk about him in a minute. He's still waiting. He's still standing there, but I want you to look. He, she reaches up, touches Jesus' garment. Jesus said, who touched me? But there are four smart things she did. Number one, repeat with me, please. Say, she reached for help. Come on. She didn't just sit there. She said, I'm going to keep trying. I like this woman. She's got spunk. She says, I'm, I'm going to go to every doctor. I'm going to go to every appointment. I'm going to try everything I can. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to just accept this life. I'm not just going to accept these circumstances. So number one, she reached for help. Number two, she refused to accept there were no options. Come on. She refused to accept there were no options. Come on, say it again. Come on. She refused to accept that there were no options. There's always an option. She said, I refuse to accept there's no options. And so when Jesus comes along, her friends would say, where are you going? I'm going to talk, try something else. Well, didn't you spend all your money? Yeah, well, didn't you go to the doctor? What, what can he do for you? Well, he can do more than you talking to me. Somebody talking to you and telling you what can't work, well, try. So she went. She refused to accept, and then, I love this, number three, she aggressively pursued. She didn't just casually walk up. She had to press through the crowd. I will not stay here. I will not allow my life to feel this way. I'm not going to sit here and have these thoughts. I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. I will not. Repeat with me, please. Come on, say, I will not. Come on, say it again. Say, I will not. Accept this, this in, my life. in my life. I refuse. I refuse. There's something about saying, I absolutely refuse. You can say it if you want to. Come on. I absolutely refuse. There's something that transpires when you say, with determination, I refuse. I will not. This will not be my, my, my life. There's something that happens when you rise to a new place in your mind and you refuse to be a victim. You know, there are a lot of people who are not like this. She reached, she refused, she, per, she, she pursued, she insisted. She reached, she refused, she pursued, 
she insisted. Come on. Say, she reached. She, reached. she refused. She, refused. She, pursued. she pursued. She insisted. A lot of you are asking God to do things, and he says, but you seem to like where you are. You seem to enjoy telling people how you feel. Oh, boy, it's hurting today. Right about right there, man. I'm telling you, it's back, it's back hurting day. It's back hurting day. It's, oh, it's up there. Go to knee. It's my knee every now and then around. It's just this right there. It's just, it's there it goes. It's, it, hold on for a second. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. You know, some of us are really pitiful. We, we really are. I mean, if you really think about it for a second, we're not like this lady. This is a spunky, will not quit, will not give up, will not back down, will not bow down lady. Now, a lot of ladies, let me tell you, you know what your confusion is? You think that if you are ever persistent, if you're ever aggressive, you're not being humble. And we confuse women. The whole teaching on submission confuses women. Because women think submission means docile, weak, and then you're supposed to always play dumb. When a man asks you something, he says, what do you think? And if you ever are aggressive about your life, if you ever decide you don't want to be broke anymore, if you ever decide you don't want to be sick anymore, if you're tired of being out of shape, if you're tired of that, and you ever stand up and go to the gym and make yourself strong, then somehow, so you're trying to be like a man. What? This is a bad woman. She cut the line and the man is waiting. <laughs> I want you to say, I mean, I'm not saying that you should always do this, but this is, you know, hey. She jumps in and says, listen, I am not going to let this happen to me. I'm not going to let this happen to me. I and mean, please, 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 why are you letting this happen to you? Why are you accepting that you can't be healed? Why are you accepting that you can't do better? You know, okay, listen, let, let's say you got a man, okay, let's say you have a relationship, okay, and, and, you, and it didn't go right and he's gone. I, now, I want, you, I want you to know it's okay to be hurt for a minute, but you got to rise up and be healed. You, you can't let the pain of that event stop you. And I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of you, if you're not careful, that's what you do all your life. You'll, you'll become professionals at, at talking about your pain, and, you, and, and that's not what she was doing. There's no record of this woman ever talking to anybody about it, except people that could help her. She went to doctors. She tried to get better. Her life model was, I need to get better, and she worked at getting better. Is your talking doing that? Are you talking to people that cannot help you? Are you going to places that cannot fix your life? This is a determined person who goes around people, goes to places that can fix her life. Is that what you're doing? If you're not doing that, if you're just kind of talking to anybody, talk to you, and, 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 and sharing all your pain with everybody, and everything, I say it all the time to single people, when you meet somebody, stop telling them what's wrong with you. Stop telling them all the people that hurt your feelings and made you mad and, 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 and I was with the first boyfriend and he hurt me and then the second one came along and he was a dog. You know what I'm saying? He's sitting there and he said, roof, roof. I mean, you're going to make everybody think that all you want to talk about is what's wrong with you. And I'm a pastor and people want, think that they think that I really want to 
hear all that. Yeah, you hear all that. I mean, I care about people. I'm really a people person. I like people. You know, I like to hug you. No, I hug you at the church. I'm a really nice person. I like that. But I'm, let me tell you right now, you know, every now and then that gets, that gets tiring. Because I, I have problems too. My knee hurt me. My back hurt me. I should tell you my problems. I like this woman. She inspires me. Do me a favor. Tell your neighbor, say, don't feel sorry for yourself. Come on, come on. Say, don't feel sorry for yourself. Even if, even if you've got a reason to feel sorry. I like the fact that when you look at this woman's life, she has said, I am not going to accept this. I'm not going to go talk to people about it and make myself, I'm not doing all that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do, I'm going to do something. You know, I used to wonder why I never got certain things done. Well, I didn't do what this lady did. She heard Jesus was going to be at a certain place at a certain time, and so she put it on her calendar. She said, this is the day and the time he's going to be here, and that's my do-something day. I want to know, when do you plan to do something? What is your do-something day? When are you going to put it on the calendar that you're going to go and start, start talking about that back pain, you're going to get it checked out? When is the day you're going to do something? I want you to lift your hands with me, and I want you to make a declaration. Declaration. Come on, hands up in the sky. Come on, say with me, please. Say, I must do something. I must set a date, must set a date to, do to do something if I want to be better. Give God a big hand clap if you hear me. I need to do something today. So she puts it on the calendar. She elbows her way to the front of the crowd. She touches Jesus' garment, and in the moment she touches him, something amazing happens. If she never touched him, she'd never been healed. If she never tried, she'd never been better. If she'd never gone, she'd never be better. She would have lived her life in that place. But because she got up on her own, and it didn't say anybody went with her. There were no girlfriends with her. Come on, repeat this with me, please say, by myself. By myself. <laughs> you, know, you know, some of you need to go to the mall by yourself. Some of you need to go out and eat what? By No, come on, say, by myself. Come on, by myself. You're so sad that on Friday night you don't have anybody to be with, but some people got some people and they wish they were still by themselves. You can't get healed with people all the time. You understand that? Sometimes you can't get healed because you're with people. You're with the wrong people. That's why you can't get better. So she goes by herself, no friends around, elbows herself to the front of the crowd, touches on his garment, takes a chance, and gets better. And then Jesus said, who touched me? And they said, well, Jesus, everybody touched you. But there was one big difference. She touched him believing. She touched him in faith. Now, I want to tell you something. Faith is not a magic potion or anything. I think, let me tell you why I think faith works a lot of times. Because people hang around long enough to get better. There's something about 
doing what God says long enough. There's something about trusting God long enough. There's something about reaching up and believing long enough. And there's something that happens when you do. It's amazing how powerful it is that God can change everything. There was a lady once, and this is an amazing story. I might have told it before. I don't know if you've heard it now. But this lady, she went to the grocery store, and she was hungry. She had five kids, and she didn't have any, she didn't have any, she didn't have any groceries. And she prayed. And she said, Lord, I, I, need, I, need, I, need, I need some groceries. And she said, the Lord told her to go to the grocery store and shop. She goes to the grocery store. She shops. She fills up a big old buggy full of groceries, and she goes to the checkout stand. The guy rings it up, and, and, and he tells her how much it is. And she said, I don't have any money. <laughs> now, don't try this, okay? All right, hear me, all right? Some of y'all going to jail tonight. Don't try this. <laughs> Powerful story, though. She goes and she rings, she rings it up, he rings up, and he, the guy looks at her and says, uh, excuse me, uh, ma'am, you, you, and let me understand, you came in the store, you shopped, you put all this stuff in the buggy, you let me ring it up, and you know you don't have any money. She said, that's right. She says, I have five children. I was praying, and God told me to come to the grocery store and shop, and he'd pay for it. So security heard and came over. I said, ma'am, uh, was there a problem? He said, yeah, the woman came in here, walked around the store, put all the stuff in the buggy, let me ring it up, and told me she don't have any money. And he said, ma'am, why'd you do that? He said, because I got five hungry children at home, and God told me to come in here and, and, and fill up the bucket. And uh, so I did it. He said, you believe in God that much? He said, yeah. He said, well, if you do, I'll pay for them. And that was it. <laughs> now, I want to say this one more time. I did not tell you to go do that tonight. <laughs> but there's something fantastic about believing God. And there's something about believing by yourself with nobody to help you. There's something about trying and saying, I'm not going to accept this. I will not live in this place. I'm not going to live on a job I don't like. I'm not going to have a physical body that's all out of shape. I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept this in my life. Please understand, the guy's still waiting. Going back to the story, what's it like to be the guy who watched this woman get better? Everybody's cheering her on. Everybody's clapping, she's crying, and you still got a dying daughter, and everybody's forgotten you. Have you ever been the person waiting? Have you ever been the person waiting, and we're celebrating your sister, your cousin, your friend, the neighbor, and all of a sudden this person who cut the line is now celebrating? Verse 49 is one of the most profound verses because this is now going to turn to the healing of the father with the 12-year-old. Listen to what chapter, Luke chapter uh, 8, verse 49 says. It's amazing. While he was still speaking, while Jesus was still talking and conferring about this lady and all this interruption, someone came from the rule of the synagogue's house saying to him, it's too late, your daughter is dead. That must have been a moment. Don't trouble the teacher because it's over for you. It's a bad moment. You could really now get angry and say, if she hadn't cut the line, if we hadn't spent these few minutes dealing with her issue, maybe something fantastic could have happened for me. You know, this is where you really could become pretty aggressive and pretty selfish. But what's profound is he didn't say anything. There's no record of this guy saying a word. He didn't say a word when, they was, when he was interrupted. He didn't get into a bad attitude. He waited. 
patiently. And when he heard that his daughter died, I'm sure he's broken, but he still didn't go in a rage. You know, I like this guy. I want to be like this guy. When a bad day comes, I want to be calm. I may be upset, I may be just deeply disturbed, I may be, I may be struggling, I may need God's healing, but some kind of way, if it doesn't come when I want it and like I want it, I don't want to turn ugly. Even though I can justify it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you ever seen people that are sick and mean? Bring me my bedpan. No. No, get it yourself. No, I'm not bringing you nothing. No, you call me like, talk to me like that. Get it yourself. Get it yourself. Tell me what? Ask me nicely. Smile when you're saying it. You got to be careful when you feel you got a reason to be cranky. You know what I'm saying? Not this guy. He was calm, cool, amazing. So the Bible says this. Watch what happens. It's amazing. While he was still speaking. But when Jesus heard it, verse 50 of Luke chapter 8, he answered saying, the first thing, and I love this. He says, repeat it with me, please. Say, do not be afraid. Come on. That's the first problem in this. Whenever, you're, whenever you need healing, whenever you need something, it, it's fear. It's fear. It's just absolute fear. What if I die? It's fear. He's afraid. Right? Now, now understand, somebody just told him his daughter is dead, so maybe this is justifiable. Then does it make sense for Jesus to say, does it make sense for Jesus to say to a guy who just lost his daughter, who's 12 years old, don't be afraid? Sure. What's it going to be like in the morning when I can't go up and ride the bikes down the street with her? What's it going to be like now? Will I live? What's it going to be like when the house is quiet now? Will my marriage make it? Will I make it? A lot of reason to be afraid when you have loss. And see, some of you need to really understand the reason you're struggling is because you're not sure how you're going to make it. You're not, you're not sure what to do with these emotions. So you're afraid. Why don't you just pause for a minute and just, maybe you're right, preacher man, maybe I am afraid. Some of you had a relationship and it didn't work out and you, or, or it's on the verge of not working out and you're, you're, you know what your biggest problem is? You're afraid. I'll be alone if we, he leaves me, she leaves me. What do you mean? I'm afraid. If they fire me from this job, you know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm not, where am I going to, where am I going to live if I don't have this job? You know, this is, job is my life, you know, right? They lay me off. If I don't, if this manager doesn't like me. Healing your heart during those times can be tough. But Jesus said, when you see death, don't be afraid. When you see the dying of something in your life that's precious to you, don't be afraid. Then he says this, only believe. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Only believe. Now, this doesn't mean that you're some kind of weirdo who doesn't know that you're facing death. You have to just say, I don't know how. I don't know what method he will use, but I will be okay. And he tells this guy, he looks at this guy who's waited in line, who's not said a word, 
who's not complained about anything, only believe. I want you to only believe. This is not about anybody else around you, your mother, your friend. Nobody else may be able to believe, but I want you to believe. When you're standing on the doorstep of death, I want you to only believe. There's something about that. But what's more amazing is what happens next. Because here's what I want you to see. Something is about to happen that's going to be unique. God's about to do something that has never been done in this man's life. He's in a whole new land. He's in a whole new city of challenge. He's never, ever seen this. And so watch what unfolds. It's amazing. Only believe and she will be made well. Let's say that again. Yeah, 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 that, that just doesn't make sense. Well, look at verse 51. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Nobody else can come in here. This is now about to be one of those moments. Now, I want to tell you a secret. God doesn't invite everybody to the miraculous because they don't believe. So miraculous recovery in your marriage may never happen because you don't believe. Miraculous recovering in your body, you, you know, you don't believe. You know, one of those, uh, those uh, shows that had the people who lost all the weight, you know, it's a fascinating show to watch sometimes because you say, boy, I, I didn't believe they could lose that. <laughs> when I saw them try to run, it was like this here. I said, oh, Lord, Jesus, they, they can't. And then later on, about, about another whole month, man, they're sprinting. I said, wow. Sometimes in your life, the biggest reason why you will never get better is because you've got the wrong people in the room. And you don't have, you don't have the vision to put people out. You can't say no to people. You can't, you listen, you can't take everybody with you everywhere. Not if you want to be better. Now, if you want to stay where you are, you keep the same people with you, and you'll have the same challenges. But if you want to get better, if you really want to get better in your life, you're going to have to say, these are the people that can come in. Now, these are people, let me tell you, Peter, James, and John were being trained for a level of ministry that everybody wasn't going to be exposed to. And Jesus wanted them to see for themselves. I want to put them on the front row, and I want them and this father to see something that nobody else would believe. And I, want, I don't need anybody in here who's going to question me. I don't need anybody in here who doubts me. I don't need anybody in here that's going to say, don't do that. I don't need anybody in here that says, I've accepted this. I don't want anybody in here who's accepted this. I want to show you something. And I want to tell you something. There's some things you can't see. You, you, can't, you can't peek and get it. You got to go all the way over the wall. You got to be all the way in. I want you to hear this. I, 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 these are some examples of what I'm saying. You can tell a non-tither all day long about the power of tithing and honoring God with your money. 
but they'll throw God $5 over the wall and $2 over the wall every now and then. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they kind of, this is how they do it. They kind of get in $2. It ain't working, man. Ain't nothing. That ain't doing nothing. That ain't nothing. <laughs> see, that's not it. See, you, you tell a person, say, you know, I'm telling you, your marriage can be better if you do this. And you say, all right, I'm, all right I'm, what, what should I do? What should I do? Uh, go home and tell your wife you love her. All right? Love you. See, I told you, Pastor Rick, nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> you, you can't, unless you're all the way in, Unless you're all the way committed, unless you're all the way in, there's something about Jesus only shows certain people certain things. You, you are, some of you walking around and you don't know it, you are, you're the only broke person walking around that area. There are blessed people all around you. You don't know it. They got money to do everything, and you're the only broke person walking around. And if, God, if the angels of God could show you, let me tell you what I could do for you. In your life, everything stays dead. In their life, things get resurrected. In your life, things are always hurting. In their life, things get better. Now, the question is, why would Jesus allow these guys to see this level of blessing that I'm about to show you and not the other people? Now, I want you to understand, he left, he left the disciples outside, too. Judas couldn't come in. Thomas couldn't come in. <laughs> Barnabas. But you guys, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just the people in the neighborhood. Some of his own disciples weren't qualified to be in. Some church people can't come in, I'm going to tell you right now. They'll never believe with you. They'll never trust God with you. And it's, it's not because they're not good people. They just can't see that far. And so all of a sudden, he puts them all out. And then verse 52. Now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, listen to this now. They were all crying. He said, do not weep. She is not dead. But she is sleeping. Now watch this now. She's sleeping. Verse 53, they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. In their mind, Jesus, come on now. She dead, look at her. You ever look at something and say, this dead. And he said, he put them all outside. Now I want you to see, that Peter, James, and John, and the dad made the first cut. But then they got cut too. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's an amazing story. I mean, you know, these guys were fine. The, so first cut all the disciples. Now Peter, James, and John, and the dad, they in. But then by the time Jesus got to talking, and he said, now she's not dead. This, this Mary is not dead. He said, Jesus, you must be kidding me. This church did, this marriage did, everything around here did. And Jesus, watch this now, put everybody outside. And then he did something to prove something. I want to show you who I am. I want to give you a lesson. I 
want to teach you something. You may, you may not be able to raise the dead, but I can raise the dead. You may not be able to fix something on your own, but I can fix it. You may not believe, but I know what I can do, and I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I'm going to help this girl. I'm going to heal the girl. I can't get you to see it, but I'm going to heal somebody, and then she's going to be better. And every time you see her, you're going to remember who did it. Now, now I want you to watch this story. Now, I want you to watch this. Look at what happened. I love this part. The Bible said he put, verse 54, he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she give some, be given something to eat. Now, her parents were astonished, but they couldn't witness the miracle. You know, mom and daddy, you can give up, but God can still raise them from the dead. You might believe that they can't change, but God can still fix it. You may not know how God can fix it, but God can still fix it. Now, I gained some insights from these stories that speak to me. Four insights. Number one, healing can take a while sometimes. The first story had a 12-year, the second story had a 12-year time limit, 12 years. Don't get frustrated when it doesn't come right away. Number two, young people can have severe challenges early in life. It's amazing that we talk so much about the father, but he wasn't hurting. Did you notice in this whole sermon I hadn't talked about a little girl? It's amazing sometimes when you're a parent and you're praying for your children, you forget they're the one with the problem, you're fine. The daddy was at Jesus' feet crying, but for this whole sermon, I didn't say anything about the little girl. Do you think she was praying? How did it feel to be her? Have you ever, have you ever thought as a parent for a moment about how your child feels? Have you ever thought for just a moment about how embarrassed they are? Not passing a class, and not doing well in school, and not having your favor? Have you ever thought of what it's like to have a parent that's disappointed in you and they calls your names? And have you ever had a moment when you're dying and your daddy runs out and you don't know where he went? You're not sure where he went. She died without a daddy by her side. Think about her for a minute, just for a minute. For some of us, that is what you need to do. Just take a moment for a minute and say, I need to think about my child and their life. Healing can take a while, number one. Young people can have their own challenges. Number three, parents can miss the moment. Some of you parents... You need to be healed because you have lost all faith in God's ability to heal your children. The tragedy of our day is not just that our children have lost faith, our parents have lost faith. And number four, I've learned that your healing may not come from your family and your friends. Sometimes God has to put everybody else out of the room and just you and him. Sometimes God can't use your cousin, can't use your friend, cannot use your father. He cannot use any of those people to heal you because they lose faith and they can't help you. But James teaches us a powerful lesson that God wants to seek out the sick 
That's why he said, is there anybody among you that's sick? I love the fact that he raises the question. He raises the question about people who are hurting and says, is there anybody in here that's sick? I wanted tonight. Is there anybody in here who say, I'm, I'm on that list, Pastor? He said, if there is, there should be elders, mature believers, who will pray with you. So I believe that's why you're here tonight. You're here because God wants to touch you. Not just because you're physically hurt, you're emotionally hurt. You're the child in the story. You're the mom in the story. You're the dad in the story. You're the person who's hoped, and now you're not sure anymore. But here's what he said in verse 15 of James chapter 5. What I want you to start with is a prayer of faith. I want you to bring your brokenness to me. I want you to bring your marriage, your life, whatever is broken, whatever needs healing, whatever it is, and I want you to bring it to me. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to say, I don't want you to tell me a solution. I don't want you to give a list that your mate needs to go through or your friend needs to go through. I don't want you to tell me how much you spent. I, don't, I know what you've done. I want you to do one thing. Pray a prayer of faith. Ask me. Because you can't fix it. Because if you could have fixed it, you would have fixed it. How about for a moment just praying a prayer of faith? And here's what it said. If you come to me, the prayer of faith will save you. It will save you. Whenever I'm really bad off, and it gets that way sometimes, every now and then this job, every now and then in this life, I have a bad moment. And I have a tradition. I go to the altar by myself. I get alone and I pray. And I say, Lord, I'm off today. Maybe I'm sick of people, sick of problems. Maybe I need to be healed from my own, own fear and insecurity. But I've learned in those moments, I pray a prayer of faith. I'll say, Lord, I cannot save myself, but I know you can save me. I know you can do what I can't do. The last part of this verse reaches out to all of us in a way that's hard to even confess. But here's what he said. Confess your trespasses, your sins, one to another. And pray. Lord, I've sinned against you. I've done things I shouldn't do. Boy, that's hard to say, isn't it? It's hard to confess and say, here I am. There are many pastors I wish had just done that. Many leaders. So, Lord, I've carried so many weights that I've lost the ability to carry anymore. I've lost my way. What have you lost today? <laughs> Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another. You don't do that just for any reason. You do it that you may be healed. When you tell people, when you confess... It's not just so that someone can fill out a news report on you. It's so that God can heal you. But he says, I can't heal you unless you say it. 
unless you admit I'm off. That father came, and he was saying, I'm at the end of my rope. I left my baby to die because I can't, I can't do anything else. I don't know how she got like this. I don't know what happened. A woman with the issue of blood can't do anything else. Don't know why I'm here. Don't know why I got this physical challenge. Two people, two people who had done nothing. But there's always the third person. You know why you're here. You smoked yourself here. One cigarette at a time. You smoked your lungs in this condition. One cigarette at a time. You know why you're here. The reason that this is in this verse, confess your sins, is because you were a part of this. You were a part of this issue. It's easy to say your marriage fell apart and he was just, wait, wait a minute, back up, back up, come on. But you did cuss him out, right? You did do this, you did do that. And there's a list of things you can come up with and say, well, you know, I contributed to this financial dynamic. I swiped the card. I got the student loan and then quit school because I was in love. I did that. I didn't get pregnant by accident. I was a part of that decision. And so that's why I'm here, Lord, having trouble. As a single parent, I was a part of that decision, Jesus. Can I ask you a question, question Pastor Rick? Are you picking on us right now? Because I don't know if I like your tone, sir. <laughs> My mother was a single parent. Hmm. I'm not picking on you. She looked at me. And wanted better for me. Own your part of the re or own your part of this. Stop beating up on your daddy, on your children's daddy, as if you had nothing to do with anything. Come on. I like the way you clap real cute. That was cute. That was just one. But I know I'm right. Stop acting like everybody else did it. Your mama, your daddy, your cousin. Everybody else is to blame. You have a part in this. And here's what he said. Confess your sins. Confess your part. And then you'll be healed. But as long as you're blaming everybody else, as long as it's everybody else's fault, you're never going to be better. It's when you lift your heart and your hand to God and you say, I want to be better. I want to be better than this. Will I ever be better? Yeah, you can be better. God can heal the impossible pain of your life. God can restore your life. And I want you to stand with me for a moment. I want to pray for you. I want you to stand. I want to pray a prayer. 
Father, today in Jesus' name, I pray for healing in the hearts of your people. I pray for restoration. I pray for faith. I need to do something. I need you to put your hands down. I want you to look at me for a second. I want you to, I want you to do something. This is just for you. This is going to help you. Whether you're here or you're watching from Savannah, wherever you, wherever you are, home, streaming in, wherever you are, I want every, I want you to do, I'm going to give you some instructions. I want you to do this for a minute. I'm, I'm going to let you do something. We understand the first two slots, right? These people, the guys, daughter got sick. He had nothing to do with that. He had just kind of praying. The, the woman, just, she had a physical challenge. She had nothing to do with that. This third category, for some of you, this is the first time you've ever thought about it. My part in this. Now, I want, I want, I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to just, just hear this prayer, and, I, and let me see if you can agree with me. Father, I know that I've done something that contributed to some of the, the pain I'm going through right now. Whether it be physical pain, financial pain, emotional pain, I had a part in it. And I want you to, to, to forgive me for my part in this, and I want to be healed. If that's your prayer, just with every head bowed for your privacy, raise your hand. Say, I hear that prayer. That's for me. Put your hand up. Raise your hand. Let me see you. Father, we lift both hands. Lift up, everybody lift up both hands. Father, we lift our hands to you. Because almost everybody in the room raised their hand saying, we had a part. Thank you for your forgiveness today. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us a chance to start again. And we declare that we will not be hurt people. We're praying the prayer of faith and believing the prayer of faith is going to save us and heal us today. And we will never, ever be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for having me. It's been a great joy.